This is the Space Dojo Show, a weekly podcast about all things JavaScript. You can find out more information at show.spacedojo.com. Enjoy the show. Hey there. Just wanted to take a quick second to tell you about something that's coming up in November, Space Camp 2.0. So last year we ran Space Camp 1.0 in Gatlinburg, Tennessee in the mountains. It was a lot of fun. And so this year we decided we wanted to go bigger. And it took some searching, but we found an even bigger place. It has 30 bedrooms, and it's on the coast of North Carolina in Outer Banks. Super, super excited for this. We're going to follow a similar format to last year. So the first day, we're going to have talks. And it's going to be the open camp style of like, you know, everyone just kind of saying, hey, I've got a talk, and we'll pick the best ones, and then we'll... We'll all sit down and listen to those. They were great last year. I'm expecting some some top-notch ones again this year. We also have like home-cooked meals the entire time. My wife is an excellent, excellent cook, and she's going to make all those meals. And I think anyone that went last year would attest to how tasty everything was and how much food there was. It was amazing, and uh, we plan to replicate that this year. Talks during the day, then in the evenings, beer, board games, a lot of hanging out, talking, watching funny videos, all kinds of stuff. So if board games are your thing, this is definitely the event to come to. I may even try to bring the PS4 or something. We'll see how that works out. The car was pretty packed last year, so I don't know how much space there will be. But if you're interested, it's like the first week in November right after the election. So that weekend the second day we'll have a hackathon contest where we'll be building fun things using javascript so if you're a fan of javascript like this is the event you want to be at so check it out camp.spacedojo.com it will be an amazing time i promise you see you there Welcome to the Space Dojo Show. I'm your host, Josh Owens, and today we have a special guest with us. Actually, how do you say your last name, Michael? I'm terrible with last names. Uh, Michelle Westraza. Westraza. Okay. Awesome. Michelle? Yeah. Oh, wow. I totally That's like the, like the friend's name. <laughs> yeah. Nice. You actually put out a project called MobX, and that's what I wanted to talk about today. Can you tell me a little bit about MobX and what it is? So MobX, in essence, is a uh, reactive programming library. But that sounds uh, more academical than it actually is. <laughs> what it allows you to do is to uh, decorate objects and say, hey, this is data which forms the state of my application. Then it delivers you a system which can drive all other things which are important in your application from that state. So like the UI, like sending messages around, making network requests, those kind of things. Okay. And so this is maybe analogous to something like Redux or no? Actually, it takes quite a different take on state management. Usually I just relate it to uh, like spreadsheets. So you have some data and you have a lot of formulas. An interesting question is uh, when do these formulas uh, need to update? And so it actually focuses on the uh, other part of state management. Not that much on how do you change the state, how do you control that, which is what Redux does, 
but more of given a state, how can you make sure that the rest of your application is consistent with it? Yeah, so I come from a Meteor background, and so we have in, in Meteor land, Minimongo and PubSub, and then we have a library called Tracker, which kind of keeps track of, I guess, the state, the cached Minimongo yep. stuff. And anytime one of those reactive data sources change, it kind of it, it forces a recomputation and, and re-rendering. How much is MobX handling of that kind of flow? Like, I mean, how are people typically building a MobX at? What, where are their data sources coming from and what does that look like? Yeah, so what MobX actually is inspired a lot by uh, Tracker. What it does is actually uh, quite similar. Tracker coins the term transparent reactive programming, and that is what Mobix does as well. The difference is that uh, Tracker is very much coupled to a framework like a Meteor, and it's geared towards updating the UI and connecting that to your data sources. While Mobix took a more generic approach, which is basically more like I have some state and I have something which derives from it, and it might be UI, it might be something entirely different. And so I did a uh, lot of uh, research about how uh, people are using uh, Tracker, uh, Meteor, how they use Knockout, and what issues they run into. And it seems that a lot of issues uh, were caused by the fact that what Tracker does is not always predictable, or th that's how it appears to people. And so there's some fundamental differences with uh, Mobix takes, like making sure that everything that is derived from the state is updated synchronously. And then from that point on, it doesn't matter anymore whether it's UI you update or random other system calls. And so to get back to the question, how you, people use it is that they uh, often define a uh, store or a, uh, which contains models. And those things are observable. And from that, uh, Mobix is usually mostly, mostly used in combination with React. So there are com React components that use these observables and then Mobix makes sure that those components are uh, updated in time. And from the other side of things, most server calls are uh, made using the classic uh, REST libraries like SuperAgent or Axios. And in response to those uh, server calls, people just update their models. And Mobix takes it from there. So either how you update your state and what you drive from it is not of much concern uh, to Mobix. So it's like more of a small piece uh, instead of providing the uh, full stack. What drove you to write MobX? I think roughly a year ago, we started this uh, Greenfield project. And that was actually a uh, new project, but we knew the domain it needed to handle very well because it was actually the migration of a uh, desktop application to, uh, to the web. And the domain we needed to handle was very complex. To give a rough idea, it has uh, about 500 different classes describing the domain. I think the typings alone are uh, like 10,000 lines uh, of code just describing which attributes there all are. So the f question I started with is, what is the code I actually want to write? And what is the code I want the system to create for me, so to say? So I started with a pen and paper, and I liked React at the time. So I started writing React components. 
And I just had things like, okay, I want this component to render this attribute. And maybe there are some associations in between. Maybe it uh, looks uh, deep into a object, but I still want to just write this. And I'm not interested in subscribing to data or uh, figuring what needs to update when, because, well, if your domain is that big, that becomes really tedious. Basically, I took it from there and I figured that the thing came the closest were systems like Meteor and Knockout, which also handle uh, the tracking mostly uh, transparently so that people don't have to subscribe to the data sources and have to change that whenever their component uh, changes. So that's basically how it uh, all started. You actually, you guys use MobX in production then? Yeah. yeah. Can you tell me more about like where you work and, and I guess the app that you guys are building? Yeah, so I work at a company called uh, Mendix. Uh, we have our headquarters in uh, Boston, but our uh, uh, research and development area office is actually in Rotterdam in the Netherlands. And so what we are building is a, an, uh, as an application studio, a kind of an IDE, but uh, mainly focused on consultancy firms. So they use our software to uh, build and design applications, often for insurance companies or banks or uh, governments. So like uh, really enterprise stuff. But to build those applications, we offer a uh, standardized uh, cloud hosting solution and a uh, uh, development studio in which you can uh, visually edit most things of your applications, like the form, the data model, uh, the business rules, and so we have a uh, like a decade-old uh, studio for that, which was basically a, uh, a C-sharp studio, which is still in use. But we're also now making a uh, web version of that uh, same thing. I'm looking over the docs as we're talking here for MobX. It looks like you're, you're actually using decorators. Is that, is that required here? No, that's uh, entirely optional. I use decorators because it makes very clear the mindsets which you uh, need to have when using Mobix. So with decorators, you can clearly mark this is state, these are actions, and these are things that are derived from state. Mm-hmm. So I use it in examples a lot because it makes it really clean and pulls it down to distance. But you can use it in uh, plain ES5 environments as well. Every uh, decorator has a uh, normal function alternative to, uh, to do the same thing. You changed the name from, I guess, Mobservable? Yeah, yeah, that's correct. Mobex. Can you talk more about like, that name change and, and why you did it? Mobservable, back at the time, started like, uh, with the problem I just described. And I hacked something together in a, in a weekend. And then we started using it and uh, started improving it. And we were quite satisfied. And actually, when visiting a few conferences, I was like, hey, how those people are handling state management in React applications. We have something that is way easier to use and uh, I think more scalable as well. So I figured at the time it should be uh, open sourced and uh, shared with the community. So that's uh, what I did. But then I discovered that's observable, sounds a bit of scary. The name suggests that it's like the observable Observable Objects proposal, which uh, has been uh, cancelled. And actually took some uh, ideas from there. 
Um, but it sets uh, people on the wrong foot because it's actually a uh, reactive programming library. So that's why I why, uh, put in the uh, X at the end and shortened the name so that it's, it was also recognizable for uh, existing users. Hearing you talk, and you said you were inspired by like Meteor and Vue and Knockout and those kinds of things. Like, why build a library rather than just use one of these kind of existing frameworks or setups? There are several reasons for that. First of all, we know, knew that this was a uh, very long-running project. And we wanted to, uh, don't, didn't want to go in uh, full on a, a single framework because usually if you are able to fit everything within the rules of the framework, it's fine. But as soon as you want to optimize specific parts, then you are often stuck. For example, we uh, did a lot with uh, Dojo in the past, and it's really hard to m migrate from such an uh, opinionated framework. So we already figured that we wanted uh, to use React because it's that's just an abstraction on the view layer, for example. And then the issue with uh, Knockout and Meteor, also Backbone, is that they, those reactive uh, algorithms are specifically written to uh, work with the rest of the framework but it's hard to use them uh, outside. Uh, for example, you also use Mobix on uh, server sites uh, for things. We have partners using our SDKs, which are powered by Mobix in entirely different architectures. And having a library that just does the reactive thing without all the rest gave us that flexibility. Lately, I've been thinking that libraries tend to be Sometimes they take more time to integrate, but maybe at the end of the day, like it's, they move quicker and they solve the problems slightly better than I think opinionated frameworks can. And that's just, I think maybe that's my experience, like coming from Meteor and feeling like we're locked into components that aren't necessarily being updated very often, right? Like they went, yeah. they went from a team of like eight or nine people to like one. I'm kind of curious, like what's the community look like around MobX? Are you getting like a lot of submissions and like how much time are you spending on like updating and maintaining it and that kind of thing? Lately, a lot actually, because uh, the interest is still growing. There are some, uh, I think three or four core uh, committers other than me. And so yesterday I uh, released a new version of MobX. And actually that's uh, uh, another guy, I think rewrote roughly the half of the core algorithm uh, by his own. So that was really cool to see that somebody else uh, entirely crocked the code base, saw room for improvements and wrote really smart optimizations uh, inside it. Uh, which I didn't think of, and actually uh, improved the semantics a bit as well. What I saw is quite funny that the user base grows with roughly the same rate as uh, people committing uh, to it. I've got a little calculation I run. I just take the number of commits and divide it out by the number of contributors, and it looks like you're, you're at about a 24 average, uh, which, is, which is pretty good. The projects that don't really encourage community start to get upwards of 50 or 100. And the ones that are like really good at embracing a large community get down to like 10 or 9. Like React, I think, is at like nine and a half commits per contributor. So, Cool. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. 
I mean, do you get a lot of pull requests? I mean, how much time do you think you're spending per week on, on MobX? I think lately, uh, three evenings and some uh, commutes time uh, when I uh, travel to, uh, to my work. Yeah, something like that, I think. I actually don't spend that much time on uh, contributing to uh, the thing itself or on bug fixing. That's quite okay. I think most of my time goes into uh, preparing talks, answering questions, improving documentation. Mm. I noticed, for example, that uh, whenever I ha- hear the same question for the second or third time, I really have to put in the effort to write the question and the answer down somewhere in documentation. Mm-hmm to keep it uh, scalable. And actually what I see is often I get a lot of similar questions and then I take the effort to write it down and then that question disappears uh, from being asked directly at the Gitter channel or uh, something like that. So that really uh, pays off. Awesome. Actually, I'm seeing here also you've got like a an egghead tutorial. It looks like maybe 15, 20 minutes of video. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, I think it's almost exactly uh, half an hour indeed. Uh-huh. Nice. And it covers uh, all the basics uh, of Mobix. After that, you should be able to uh, build pretty serious uh, Mobix applications. And there were also uh, recently there were some tutorials released by uh, Learn Code Academy, I think they, they are called. Yeah. And they also did a pretty nice job uh, of showing uh, the essence in, uh, I think, about 10 minutes or something. I'm uh, pretty amazed usually how quickly people are able uh, to pick up things. I hear people that are using Mobix saying things like, uh, well, I explained it to one of my coworkers and he, uh, he was up and running uh, with his first components in uh, 10 minutes. And I think that is because it's what you need to do with Mobix is very close to the mental application you have of your uh, application. Mm-hmm. I think I think it's puts more effort uh, than most frameworks in focusing on what is the essential complexity of your application and taking care of all the rest. And I think that's, that, that's the goal of probably every framework, but it feels like it is working, what I hear from uh, people. It seems pretty nice. And uh, like, honestly, it feels pretty familiar to me, like just looking at the code and like seeing the auto run. Um, it's not really something that people use a ton, like tracker behind the scenes does a lot of the auto run for you and a meteor land. Um, and a lot of people like I teach an, an eight, eight hour course that shows people like all the parts of meteor. And one of the things like we just touch on for a few minutes is, is auto run. And it's like, it's definitely I think a foreign concept when people first see it, like, what do you mean? Like it's going to rerun when anything changes? Like that's, that's weird. Yeah. I usually um, explain that that's like the, the core of uh, Mobix is four functions. The first one is observable. That makes data observable. The second one is uh, observer, which you use on react components and which kind of uh, wraps the render function of a component in Autorun. That's basically what happens behind the scenes. And then you have, so you have also Autorun and Computed. And basically they do the same thing. They derive something from the state. Uh, The difference is that Computed always derives a value and Autorun makes sure that some side effect happens. Yeah. So, and people should mainly stick to uh, producing values. It's a thing you can 
reason simply about it's like formulas in uh, Excel. Mm -hmm. But at some point, you have to bridge to imperative programming to make a network request or to flush something to the DOM. And that's when uh, Autorun comes in. But ideally, you have a framework that takes care of most of the Autoruns you would ever need. By using MobX and React, you're able to kind of take advantage of the fact that React is, React is using the virtual DOM. And like it's only going to put out the pieces that change, right? So mm -hmm. when you're looking at using some of observable data, it should be like very tiny changes are coming through, which I think is different. In Meteor land, like we tend to rerun a lot of code that doesn't necessarily have to be run because auto, auto runs like there everywhere, kind of hidden behind the scenes. Yeah, Mobix takes it a uh, level further in uh, analyzing what should be uh, rerun. It's basically because there's this distinction between orderance and computed values. Computed values are like, well, they're values. So even if a computed value needed to recompute, but its output didn't change, then it knows uh, the rest of the derivation tree can be skipped. And it orders the derivation tree automatically for you so that things that are needed early in the chain are computed first so that they're not computed accidentally uh, twice. So... If people wanted to like get started with with MobX, like where should they go? If you like learning from videos, just uh, follow the uh, Egghead course. Mm -hmm. I think with the first lesson already, you know enough to build something uh, very basic and experiment with it, and then uh, watch the rest of the lessons to uh, learn more about what is actually happening. On the readme, there are quite some. Uh, uh, fiddles you can uh, fork and then chains. There are some uh, boilerplate uh, projects, both official ones and uh, more advanced boilerplates uh, submitted by other people. And they're all listed in, uh, in the examples uh, section, I think, on the uh, homepage. And then there's uh, mobxjs.github.io as well, right? Is exactly. That's the homepage you were talking about? Yeah, that's the homepage. We talked a little bit about like Redux versus MobX and like looking over these docs, it's clear to me that like MobX is a, just a smaller piece of like managing that state like you mentioned, whereas Redux is maybe a little bit bigger, right? It's, it's like a store and uh, it's founded on the idea of like immutable data, whereas that's not the case with MobX, right? Like it's, it's mutable data, right? Yeah. It's uh, immutable data. I mean, you can use, uh, use pieces of uh, immutable data, but you benefit best from uh, using mutable data. And there are a few reasons for that. The first one is it's easier to optimize. People generally claim uh, a lot better performance when using Mobix out of the box when, uh, than when using Redux. And that's basically because the changes that are applied are a lot smaller. It's like you either mutate all of your state or you mutate a small piece of it. People often compare it like it's like using uh, automatic gear or manual gearing. I like Redux a lot because of the purity of the uh, abstraction, and it's more fun to tinker about than Mobix actually, with this kind of old-fashioned code, what you write. When it comes to learning and uh, writing code, I think Mobix is easier because it's more close to the mental model you have of your uh, data. So if you have a, uh, a user which is related to a message, then you can just link the user to the message and Mobix will take care of the rest. 
and then contrast when you use immutable data, you have to work with a uh, kind of foreign references. Yeah, so that, that feels more awkward, I think, in practice to use. I mean, it's like you are doing the, the work uh, which the program can do for you, something like that. I'm curious, like, have you looked at anything like Apollo or other data loading libraries, I guess, right? Like Apollo uses GraphQL and it creates a Redux store and like pushes the GraphQL data into the store and then you can pass that along and and use it within a React application. Have you seen any other kind of MobX related data loading libraries that makes it super easy to just say like, I'm going to drop this in, here's how I'm going to pull my data over and then I don't have to worry about it anymore. Like I can just say observer on my React component and like everything works like it should. I think there's not something out of box uh, which abstracts as high as uh, those things. On the other hand, because MobX is uh, not very opinionated, it's very easy to uh, integrate it. Recently, there was an uh, issue on the uh, Apollo client. Somebody wanted to integrate Mobix with uh, Apollo client. And so I, uh, I looked at the docs of uh, the Apollo clients and wrote a very simple wrapper, I think in 15 lines of code, that turns a, uh, uh, how do you call them? A watch query mm-hmm. in Apollo client into an uh, observable. Because Mobix has, like, like Tracker actually, this uh, notion of generic observables where you just need some lifecycle hooks to be uh, hooked up, like please notify address for the system that this observable changed, uh, those kind of things. Yeah. And the other way around, their subscriptions are cleaned up when needed. I've just started to dabble a little into Apollo. I try to learn something new every week to keep current. I don't know if one new thing a week really keeps you current in JavaScript, but... I think it should be okay. I, I tried to do the same until I started open-sourcing Mobix and then <laughs> I end any time anymore for that. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Like, open-source takes time. It's crazy. Um, I don't open-source a lot of libraries anymore just because it's like, I don't, I don't think I have time for all that. I think you're right. Like, when you said earlier, you spend a lot of time a lot more time on like documentation and facts and stuff like that's the hallmark of a good strong open source project is really good strong documentation yeah and I, f- I find that's uh, actually the hardest thing to uh, to do writing good documentation but people are generally quite satisfied with it so it's going well I guess and I get a lot of pull requests on documentation so that's really helpful All right. Uh, Well, I think that was everything I had. I just want to say thank you, Michelle, for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. If people want to find you, where where can they go to to find you? So there's the MobX Gitter channel. It's linked on the top of the readme. They can follow me on uh, Twitter, which is uh, a difficult name. Uh, And and then Westrata, which is Maya. I suggest you just go to... uh, the GitHub page and then copy my name from the commit message and then there. Yeah. That's also yeah, my actually, channel. There's a link to your Twitter down at the very bottom of the MobX documentation page. So that'll work too. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah I should have picked a uh, nice, funny Twitter name. But I didn't think of that six years ago and then I didn't use Twitter for four years and then. Uh, yeah. 
All right. Well, thank you again for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Yes. Thank you. All right. Bye. See ya. This has been a Space Dojo production. You can find out more information about Space Dojo at spacedojo.com. It's easy to join the mailing list and stay in the loop. That's S-P-A-C-E-D-O-J-O dot com.